Good morning to the Bay Area family, both uh, here in person this morning and watching from home. It's another beautiful Sunday morning here in uh, Mango, Florida, and we're going to be worshiping God together today. Uh, we're, I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to hearing a lesson from Tim this morning. We're going to sing some songs together, and we are going to partake of the Lord's Supper. Um, that's all going to happen here shortly, but before we get started this morning, we've got some announcements that we're going to go through just to get us all up on the same page and up to speed for what's happening with our family here. Um, first and foremost, we mentioned last week that uh, Kayla Schwind had been in a car accident while visiting some family. Um, she is on the mend and doing better, although she's got some recovery still ahead of her. There is a, an effort being put together to send them some meals. Um, and so if that's something that you can take part in, there's some information online, or you can reach out to Angela Steed. Um, she's putting that together to start, I believe, on Tuesday. So uh, in the next couple days, if, if that's something that uh, you can help out with, please check out the information online or reach out to Angela Steed. Our brother Harold Stutzman had a little bit of a scare this week. Uh, he ended up having a seizure. Um, he is at home this morning watching. Uh, brother, brother Harold will be looking forward to the day we can have you back here with us. He's getting ready to start on his rehab, but um, we're happy to hear that he's doing better, and uh, we pray that he'll continue to heal and recover from that and that the medication for the seizures will take hold and work well. Um, Jacqueline's here this morning. Good to see you, Jacqueline. There's going to be a virtual shower for Jacqueline, uh, Marsha's daughter, who's getting married here in December. Uh, there's some information online for that as well. If, uh, if you want to take part in that, you can check out the information online, or once again, you can reach out to Angela Steed, who's heading that up. Um, our sister Faye Brown had serious neck surgery last Monday. Let's keep her in our prayers. Um, of course, our brother George Klein is still awaiting the results of some biopsies, so we want to keep him in our prayers as well. Hope for good results there. Um, and certainly everyone who in our family and across the globe is, is being affected by COVID-19, we need to keep all of them in our prayers. Uh, this is, you know, it seems like almost commonplace now, but it's still a, a very serious thing. We need to keep those people in our prayers as well. The Bay Area Fall Festival is coming up. Hope you've got your calendars marked for October 24th. This year's festival is for the entire congregation, uh, for all ages, so please make plans to come on out. There's virtual sign-ups posted online. Uh, please help in planning by signing up and, uh, and letting us know so we have a good head count of who's going to be there and, and who we should plan for. Uh, anyone over the age of 13 can, uh, can sign up also for our pie eating contest, uh, which is sure to be plenty entertaining. We've, I think we've even got an elder signed up for that. Um, and we're already uh, putting together some plans for some other things that are going to go along with that. Uh, one of which is going to be um, another in our drive-in series. We'll be watching Monsters, Inc. And that'll be a lot of fun for all the families and for everyone involved. So make plans to come out on the 24th and, and partake in that. It's going to be a great time for this family in general and, uh, and for all of us to, to spend time together. Um, the youth group has lots of fun activities going on. Um, first and foremost, if you're in the youth group and you've been used to signing in after church uh, at noon for, for Sunday afternoon classes, that's effective today, going to be moved to 1 p.m. So Robbie is moving that back so you can meet at 1 p.m. You can have a little bit more leisurely uh, lunchtime there, but uh, that meeting will take place today and in the future, moving forward at 1 p.m. You can also join in the Sunday evening classes at 6 p.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. And speaking of Wednesdays, in November, Robbie is going to be putting together a Wednesday homeroom uh, here at the building where he's planning a socially distanced time for youth to come hang out in the teen room upstairs um, from 4 to 7. 
p.m. in the afternoon to, uh, to work on their homework, to catch up, to just be able to spend some time together. Should be a really uh, promising time, a good time for, for our youth to get together in a socially distant way and, uh, and spend some time together and, and maybe work on their homework and schoolwork a little bit. So stay tuned for details on that. Another monthly event coming up is the Family Worship Evening. This is for all youth group and Faith Lane families. Uh, this first event will be Sunday, November 1st, so make sure to mark that on your calendar. Uh, it's going to happen at 6 p.m. here at the church grounds. There's going to be a singing and devotion time around a fire pit, and we want to make sure that uh, if you're in our youth group or Faith Lane families, that we make plans to come out and join each other for that. Last on the agenda for this morning, the Sunday worship at the building. We are getting to the point, uh, every week I tell you, if you're watching from home, you want to join us, there's, there's plenty of space. We're starting to get to the point where we're running out of space, uh, which is a good problem to have. But uh, at the same time, if you're not joining us and you're watching from home and you want to join us, or if you're here uh, and, and you want to continue to do so, please make sure you're signing up online. Uh, please make sure that when you sign up online, if there are other people that you are willing to sit with, uh, that you're willing to kind of lax your social distancing etiquette on, make sure to note that as well so that we can maximize our seating potential here. But um, we all are looking forward to the day when we can all be back together in this building, and hopefully that day is coming soon. Uh, until that time comes, we want to continue to keep working on that. So if you have any questions, if you signed up and you can't show up, um, whatever it is, if, if you need to have some clarification on that, you can reach out to Tom Manley and he can give you some information on that. But we want to make sure that we, uh, we maximize all the space we can to have our brothers and sisters here that want to be here. Uh, with that said, we are going to take just a moment to, uh, to pause to reflect, to uh, lift our Father up in prayer, to lift these people on this list up in prayer, and to prepare our minds for the worship that's about to begin. So if you would, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the love that you give us that we could never deserve, and we thank you for being a God who cares about everyone and everything. Lord, it is so easy in all the chaos and calamity of this world to forget that you are really in control and that your will will be done. And Father, we pray that your will be done this morning. We pray that you'll be with those of this body who are hurting, those who we've mentioned this morning, those who are recovering. Lord, we pray that you will give us all strength and understanding. We pray that you will give us a peace that passes our understanding in these times. We pray that you will be with those suffering with this virus and, and other ailments across the globe. Pray that you will be with our missionaries who are in other countries working with the people who are suffering as well. Lord, we pray that you will Give us all strength and all determination to be your light in this world, to, to follow the example your son gave us, to give and show your love to everyone that we encounter until a time comes when we can all do it in your presence, in your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for all these things. We come before you this morning because of the sacrifice that your son made, and it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Good morning. Hope you're awake. And if you stayed up late watching a certain baseball game, I hope you put that aside and you shake out the cobwebs. In fact, I'm going to ask you to stand for this first song. Worship the Lord with gladness. Joyful song, and know, and know that he is God. 
worship the Lord with gladness. Come before the Lord with joyful song. Please be seated. next song, Tim is going to come and speak to us. It's why we praise Thee. He came to
Because he gave his Hey, good morning. Good to be with you this morning. Glad that you are here in person. Glad that you're here online as well. Um, as you can see, we are continuing our sermon series through the book of Philippians. And as you can see, I am using the... Uh, kind of the title slide for this whole series, What Cannot Be Quarantined. And I'll tell you that actually George's daughter, Anna, came up with that, uh, that theme slide for me. I told her, hey, I'm going to go through the book of Philippians. I need a good, like, uh, a graphic for it. And she gave me a couple options, uh, and I thought that one was right on. So thanks, Anna, for doing that. Um, but, you know, this idea of being quarantined, we're, we're sort of familiar with that now, Right? We understand that and appreciate that a little bit more than maybe we did before. And I actually looked up the definition of quarantine. Here's the definition. It means to isolate, to detain, to place a restraint on the activities or the communications of persons, to exclude for political, social, or hygienic reasons. So one day, while he was quarantined in prison... Paul wrote a letter to his brothers and sisters in Christ who were living in and around the city of Philippi. And in this letter, he gives them this tremendous hope and reason for tremendous joy and uh, a message that would not be quarantined, would not be isolated, restrained or detained. And, and that's, the, that's the book, that's the message that we're going to focus on the next couple weeks here. Dave mentioned uh, the baseball game last night. I don't know how many of you watch baseball regularly. If you don't, man, jump on. <laughs> Get on that bandwagon. Um, Martha and I watch a lot of Rays baseball. We really like the Rays. And, of course, it's a good time to be a Rays fan headed to the World Series. But I got to thinking just how many terms are unique to baseball. 
that we wouldn't use if it weren't for baseball. And people don't know anything about baseball, you know, use these terms. But there's some terms that are just unique to baseball. A double play that goes around the horn. You know, third base, second base, first base. Uh, if someone's caught looking, that means he struck out. He didn't swing on the third pitch. You know, a backward K. A suicide squeeze. It's a bunt where the third baseman is trying to score. Um, if a batter is flirting with the Mendoza line, it's not a good thing. It means he's batting around 200. Named for one of my Pittsburgh Pirates back in the day, by the way, Mario Mendoza. And then I got thinking about the term that you hear in baseball quite a bit, the complete game. And the complete game, a complete game, is when the same pitcher that pitches the first pitch pitches the last pitch. When one pitcher pitches the entire game and it almost never happens anymore. In fact, for me, one of the most satisfying things about the Rays' whole race to the pennant is the fact that they knocked off the Yankees in the ALDS. I mean, that was awesome. And not only did they beat the evil empire, but they knocked off in game five Garrett Cole. Because the Yankees kept saying, if we can just get Cole back on the, you know, in game, if we can get to a game five with Garrett Cole, we're going to pull this thing out. So Garrett Cole, the, arguably the best pitcher in baseball, was pitching for the Yankees game five. Garrett Cole earns $36 million a year, a year, to pitch for the New York Yankees. He's probably worth it, by the way. I mean, like I said, might be the best pitcher in baseball. Garrett Cole has started over 200 games in his career. Anybody want to guess how many complete games he's thrown? It's actually pretty impressive. He's thrown four in eight years. He's thrown four complete games. Two this year, which is amazing. Now, a hundred years ago, the game was very different. A hundred years ago, there was a guy by the name of Jack Taylor, who you've never heard of. Want to guess how many complete games he threw? I'll give you a hint. It's more than four. 187. It was expected in that day when a manager gave a pitcher a baseball, you're going to start the game and you're going to finish the game. Nobody expects that anymore from a, from a starting pitcher. Garrett Cole makes $36 million, but he doesn't get paid to finish the game. He gets paid to start the game. What they're expecting, what they're hoping now is not a complete game, but a quality start, which is a whole other set of metrics. Um, but uh, you don't have to finish the game. Just give us a quality start, and then a relief pitcher will come in, and then another, and then another, and another, and you know, hopefully it'll work out. And I got to thinking, wouldn't it be odd? Wouldn't it be maybe great if that kind of thing happened in real life? I mean, imagine I'm up here preaching one day and it's not going so well. And Tom's standing back there and he's starting to pace and I can see him starting to pace. And finally, he comes walking down the aisle and he pulls me aside and said, sorry, kid. And he signals to Robbie. And Robbie comes up and finishes the sermon. Wouldn't that be weird? I'm not going to ask what you think that would be, but that would be odd, right? Or you're having an argument with your wife one afternoon, and she says, that's it, hit the showers, I'm bringing in a relief husband for the rest of the day. You know, that, that would be weird, right? Uh, yeah, but life doesn't work that way. 
Life isn't about quality starts. Life is about living well. And it's about finishing well. Question. Have you ever started something that you didn't finish? Of course, right? We all have started things that we didn't finish. You're thinking right now like paying attention to this sermon. You know, I started, but I'm not finishing. But no, we've all started things that we haven't finished. You know, you start on a degree, but it's expensive and it's hard. And so you kind of just let it go. And then years later, you wish, man, I should have stuck with that. When you're young, you're taking piano lessons or guitar lessons or some instrument, and you say, no, it's not worth it, and you quit. And then you get to be old, and you think, I would love to be able to sit down and play the piano or play the guitar or some instrument that you like. No, you decide to get in shape, but you quit. You go on a budget, but you don't stick with it. You're in a relationship, and it gets kind of difficult, so you bail. And then later on, you think, wow, I, I wish I would have treated that relationship differently. In the book of Philippians, Paul is going to talk about a complete game, sort of. What he's going to do is give us some encouragement and some assurances to remind us that we really can not just live well, but finish well. Um, And he's going to make a comment in the first part of this book that is really a powerful statement. We bumped up against it last week. But I wanted to go back this week and really kind of pick it apart because it is such a great statement. And I want to be sure we understand and appreciate what Paul is telling us. So open up your Bibles or your tablet or whatever you're reading from, the the book of Philippians. Let me remind you how Paul starts this lesson, this letter, uh, in Philippians chapter 1. Paul writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul says, when I think of you, I feel blessed. When I think of you, I feel joy. And he tells us why he feels joyful. Because those were people who took Jesus seriously. Because of their partnership, Paul calls it, in the gospel. And then, He says he has confidence in them. And in verse 6, he's going to tell us why he has confidence in them. Uh, Verse 6, by the way, this is pretty much where we're going to stay all morning. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. This is the verse that I said, this is such a great verse. In fact, it's such a great verse, we're going to memorize it. Don't panic. We are. You can do this. We're going to memorize this verse. It's going to be easy. Here you go, verse 6. Being confident of this, that, and here's what we're going to memorize. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And maybe the most important word in that whole verse is that little word, he. Paul doesn't say, I am convinced that you began a good work in you. You didn't begin anything. You didn't start anything. God started something in you. Why is that such good news? That's such good news because when God starts something, God finishes it. 
And that's such good news because God has power. How much power does God have? Read your Bible. He has power to speak the world into existence. He has the power to change the heart of Nebuchadnezzar and Pharaoh. He has the power to divide the Red Sea and so that the Israelites can walk through on dry land. He has the power to get out of the boat and walk on water when he wants to. He has the power to deliver David from Goliath, Elijah from Jezebel, Esther from Haman, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from a fiery furnace, Daniel from the lion's den, a baby in a manger from Herod. He has enough power to honor his covenant, to keep his promises. He has enough power to roll away a stone and call his son out of the grave. How much power does God have? All you need. Trust me, he has that power. Who's pitching the complete game here? It's not you. God. And God has enough power to change your heart. God has enough power to allow you to resist temptation, power to help you to speak the truth. He has power to help you love a difficult person. Power to help you change a racist. The power to help you not give up. Paul doesn't start with you. He starts with he. And then Paul says, he who began. Say just that much with me out loud. He who began. You people online, come on, you got to do it too. One more time. He who began. There you go. Paul doesn't say he who's already finished. He doesn't say he who's in a big hurry because he knows how impatient we are. He says he who began. And what Paul is saying is, he's not finished yet. He's not finished with us yet. You know, I don't know if, if Angie sings with the Faith Lane kids anymore that the song, He's Still Working On Me. Still sing that song back there? No? Okay. You don't know that song, Angie? You, she does, okay. When I was, she's, she's sitting on the floor back here changing a diaper. You, you can't see her, but I can. I'm not just speaking to nobody. Um, but when my kids were little, they used to sing this song, He's Still Working On Me to Make Me What He Wants To Be. It took them just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the moon and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient He must be because He's still working on me. It was a great song. And it still is, and I don't think it's a kid's song. I think it's a great message for adults as well. And it's exactly what Paul is saying here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. We don't know the end of our story yet. God does. But we don't know the end. Um, and it's hard for us. That's tough on us. Because we don't like to wait. I just read this this past week. The shortest unit of measured time is called a honk a second. You know that? You heard this? You're familiar with this? Some of you, some of you science types, you know? The shortest unit of measured time is a honk a second. It's a time between when the traffic light turns green and the car behind you blows his horn. That's it. It's a honk a second, you know? We don't like to wait. But there's something that happens when and while we're waiting. Remember the prophet Isaiah said, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they'll mount up with wings like eagles. 
while we're waiting, God is working. And I am convinced, and I think it's a biblical concept, I am convinced that sometimes what and who we become while we're waiting is just as important, sometimes more important than the thing we're waiting on. It's another way of saying when God's pitching, waiting time is never wasted time. He who began a good work. And then the next part of that phrase is, he who began a good work in you. Let's say it together. He who began a good work in you. Okay. Now Paul is getting personal. Now it's not just he who began a good work in nature or a good work in the Israelites, or a good work in Paul, or a good work in the Philippians. Now he's saying, he who began a good work in you, in me. God began something in me, a good work in me. And again, I, I think we kind of struggle with this. And the reason we struggle with it is we, we look at our lives and we look at other people's lives and we start comparing ourselves and pretty quickly, we start to feel inadequate. I'm sure you've heard this. It's, a, it's an age-old illustration uh, told by a guy by the name of Charlie Shedd, who was a Christian writer and a Christian lecturer. He traveled the country uh, speaking a lectureship, and the subject, the title of his lectureship was Ten Commandments for Raising Perfect Children. And then he writes, I had a child. And I changed my lecture to... Ten hints for parents. And then he had a second child. And he changed the lecture to a few tentative suggestions for fellow strugglers. And then he had a third child. And he said, I just gave up altogether telling people how to parent. But, uh, have you ever felt inadequate? Yeah, we, we all have, right? <clears throat> and I can tell you why you feel inadequate at times. You want to know why? You're inadequate. <laughs> you know why I feel so inadequate sometimes? I'm inadequate. But my inadequacy doesn't define me. And my inadequacy isn't the main thing about me. Because he has begun a good work in me. God has begun a good work in me. And that is such a powerful thought. And it's not just a thought, it's a reality. God has begun a good work in you, in each one of us, the redemption of your character, the forgiveness of your sins, the, the spiritual gifts that He is perfecting in your life, the fruits of the Spirit that are maturing in your life, love, joy, peace, patience, all those things that the Holy Spirit is doing in us and through us. Uh, he's developing courage, a passion for His Word, Passion for his people. Passion for the lost. He has begun a good work in you. That fact makes you a very important person to God. Makes you a very important person to other people as well. So let's go back to our verse that we're halfway memorized, right? See how easy this is? He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Let's say that much together. 
He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. One translation says, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. He's faithful. God is faithful. There is an old song that I grew up singing. I'm, I'm, I'm hung up on songs today, but there's an old song, and I know you know it, Dave, but I don't think I've sung it in 30 years, maybe 40. And, and it's the old song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. You know that, right? Yeah. Do we sing that here? Okay, maybe we have. Obviously, I haven't been paying very close attention. Um, but the first verse of that song says, Great is Thy Faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning in thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. And you see why we don't sing it very often. That's a lot of these and thous and wilts in there. But the message is really good. And the message is really biblical. And the assessment of God is spot on. God doesn't change. God is faithful. Amen. We do sing the song, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Lamentations chapter 3. Psalm 33. The psalmist writes, For the word of the Lord is right and true. And then he adds, he is faithful in all that he does. Again, that tiny little word, all, so important. You know, the writer doesn't say he's faithful in a lot of things he does. He's faithful in some of the things he does. The Holy Spirit tells us that God is faithful in all that he does. God is faithful. But we're not that way, are we? We're not quite that trustworthy. You've probably seen the thing that's been circulating around the internet, the, the six phases of a project. Any person, any company that's trying to you know, accomplish something, the, 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 the life cycle of a project goes through six phases. The first being enthusiasm. The second phase being disillusionment. The third being panic. The fourth phase, search for the guilty. <laughs> phase five, punishment for the innocent. And then finally, praise and honor for those not involved, which I think is pretty accurate about the world we live in. By the way, if you're taking notes, don't write that down. Uh, it's not that important. But that's kind of the world we live in. We start stuff and we don't finish. We begin and we get discouraged. We initiate, but then we procrastinate. Aren't you glad that's not God? Aren't you glad we serve a God who is faithful in all that he does? He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. When God's involved, he already knows the end. At the beginning, God sees the end. We don't see it. We don't know it. But He does. Your life, your future, your story. God's faithful.
And then the last part of this verse that we are memorizing, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's say it together. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Don't you love wearing a mask right now? Because nobody knows if you're speaking or not. Say, yeah, I got it memorized. Yep, yeah. But I hear you, so that's good. So Paul says, okay, um, here's the finish line. Paul tells us when the last pitch is going to be thrown. Okay, I guess that's the day we die, right? The day we breathe our last breath. It's not what Paul said. Paul doesn't say until the day that your arms shall lie folded in rest, until the day you, you know, you, your heart starts beating. Paul says, until the day of Christ Jesus. Well, when's that? I think he's talking about when Jesus comes back. Because one day Jesus is coming back. That day that Jesus returns. That day that Jesus will finally redeem and and heal and fix all the brokenness and all the messes of this world and the final victory over death. When his good work will finally be completed. Because Paul wants to be sure that we understand that, that our story is part of such a bigger story. And our life is part of such, such a, a bigger narrative. And our little project is part of this gigantic project that we'll never be able to understand this side of heaven. But Jesus is coming back until the day of Christ Jesus. He's in the bullpen. He's all warmed up. Actually, he was the starter and the closer. The beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega. The author of our faith. The perfecter of our faith. He reigns in heaven. One day, he's coming back as king to redeem those who have named his Lord. Thank you, Don. God has no intention of giving up on you. And he has no intention of giving up on me. He has invested way too much in us to give up on us now. God has invested in you a lifetime of love and compassion and grace and justice and mercy and teaching and shaping and molding and correcting and providing. He's invested the blood of Jesus into your life. If you think he's going to give up on you now, you're out of your mind. So, let's see if we've learned the whole verse. Let's say it together. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I don't know if you mark in your Bible or not. If you do, that verse should already be marked. If you never mark in your Bible, go ahead, mark that one. (laughs) Make that the one verse you have marked because it is such a great thought. God is not looking for a quality start. He's not looking for noble intentions. He's not looking for put-off plans. He's looking for a complete game. Now, maybe this morning you're you're kind of frustrated in your your spiritual life, kind of feel like you're at a spiritual quitting point. Maybe you're frustrated with, with God. Maybe you're frustrated with 
the church or Christians. Maybe you're frustrated with the year 2020, you know, and you're thinking, maybe I'll just quit. Hit the showers. Listening to Satan whisper in your ear, go ahead, quit. People do it all the time, and they do. The easiest thing in the world is to quit. But when I get to the end of my life, I want someone to be able to say, he walked with God. He didn't do it perfectly. A lot of errors in that game. A lot of hang-ups, a lot of issues. But you know what? He finished the game. He walked with God. God has begun a good work in me. And God has begun a good work in you. And God, I'm convinced, has begun a good work in us. I think God has begun a good work at the Bay Area Church of Christ. And I don't know what the end of that story looks like. And I don't know how that's going to play out. But I know that He is faithful. And I know that He will complete it on the day of Christ Jesus. And that is a reason for joy. Now, maybe this morning you're watching online with us and, you know, talking about quitting and complete games. You think, well, I haven't quit anything because I haven't begun anything. I haven't really started to walk with Jesus. In a lot of ways, that's why we're here. We want to help people connect with Jesus. And if we can help you in that, there's going to be a a link on the screen or you can go to our website and uh, you can be as anonymous as you want to be. And you can ask for prayers. You can ask to speak to someone. And I'm going to tell you that um, that cyber information doesn't stay in cyberspace. Because somebody is going to see that. And somebody is going to honor your request. And if you're asking for prayers, someone is going to pray for you. And if you want us to pray with you, someone will get in touch with you. If you want us to to help you uh, just learn more about Jesus and what God has started in our lives, you know, Let us know. We'd like to take advantage of that, and we'd like to help you and help each other uh, talk about that. If you're in the auditorium, again, at the close of our worship service this morning, we'll have an opportunity to, if we want to meet with an elder and and have some prayers, uh, and we'll let you know how that happens. But for today's lesson, let's go ahead and let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the good work that you have begun in each one of us. May we allow you to bring to completion that which you've begun. Help us to remember that the day of Christ is coming. He's coming back. May we live our lives in anxious anticipation of his return. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. Dave's going to come up and lead us in another song to get our minds prepared for the Lord's Supper to follow. Thank you, Tim. And uh, Paul Lickman's going to come and share some thoughts with us after we sing this song. Uh, there are other verses that, it, uh, that express the, some of the same thoughts that Tim was talking about and uses the word uh, cornerstone. And uh, Jesus is our cornerstone, the work that, that he's completing us. He's, he's the starter and the, and the ender. Let's sing cornerstone.
My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Yeah.
have a little confession to make as Tim was talking when he uh, used the term honk a second. I confess I looked back towards the bullpen for a quick second there. Uh, but uh, just joking about that, I appreciate Tim's stories and, and his jokes and, and the way he gets us to think about things. And um, just want to share, Friday afternoon, I got to go have coffee with a good friend of mine. He's a brother and a good friend. And uh, we were sitting there talking. And this brother actually turned 80 years old this week. On 30, Thursday, he was 80. And that got me thinking not only just, you know, that's getting up there, 80. But I got thinking about one of my closest best friends is 80. And got thinking about how old I am and how time is ripping by. And it got me thinking and I started remembering. I can remember back in 1974. In 1974, I was a junior in high school. And I remember sitting on my, uh, my parents' patio by the pool. And I don't know why, but for some reason I thought about the year 2000. And I'm sitting there as a 17-year-old kid thinking, the year 2000, I mean, that seemed far away. That's 26 years away. But it sounded so futuristic, the year 2000. You know, and I got thinking, what's that going to be like? You know, is the world still going to be turning? And if it is, am I going to be around? Am I going to be alive in the year 2000? And I quickly did some math, and I thought, man, I'll be 43 years old. 43. Now, when you're a kid and a 17-year-old, 43 sounds pretty old. You know? And I got thinking about that. And then I started thinking a bit more about the year 2000. And some of you probably remember a thing called Y2K. How many of you remember that term, Y2K? That's just an abbreviation for the year 2000, right? And there was a big concern. What was the concern about Y2K? Anybody remember? Yeah, our computers, right? And I don't know how legitimate that was. I'm not a computer person. But the concern was we're going into the year 2000. This is not only a new decade, a new century. It's a new millennium. And the concern was somehow the computer's clock and calendar isn't going to handle that. And the computers are going to crash. And if the computers crash, life is going to be really bad. And I had some good friends that were very concerned about this, really worrying about this stuff, you know. And looking back now, well, the year 2000 came. I made it. I was 43. We're standing here now in 2020, which is really a weird year, right? I've heard a lot of people say, boy, we're ready. And I remember Tim saying, though, we got to remember that somehow January 1, 2021 isn't going to just magically fix everything. But even though this has been a weird year, in many ways it's gone by quickly, you know. And now I'm thinking it's 2020 and the year 2000, which seems so far away, is now 20 years in the rearview mirror. And I'm not 43, I'm 63. And I'm thinking, how did this happen? How did I go from a 17-year-old kid sitting on my folks' patio by the pool in high school to being a 63-year-old guy. You know, how did this happen? How does time go by? And you know, when I was having coffee with my friend who turned 80, a lot of what we talked about, we reminisced. But the subject came around how quickly it went. And it seemed like it wasn't that long ago we were in high school. And man, the years go by. 
But the interesting thing is, the Bible speaks about this. Some of you may be familiar in the book of Psalms, 144th Psalm, David penned this approximately 3,000 years ago. And scripture says, man is like a breath, his days are like a fleeting shadow. He's like a breath, his days are like a fleeting shadow. The book of James, also in the New Testament, echoes this sentiment. I think it's in chapter 4. Uh, James is talking, he's talking about life and our plans and what we do, and he poses a question. He says, what is your life? It's a pretty significant question. What is your life? And the answer is, he says, you're like a mist. You're here for a little while, and you vanish. And I don't know about you, but when I've read that the first few times, I thought, that's not very encouraging. You know, our life's like a breath, you're like a mist, a vapor, you're here and you're gone. I'm thinking, but it's interesting, I think God tells us this for a reason. One, because it's so true. It really is true. Our lives go by quickly. And those of you that are younger in the audience, we have a few, you know, you talk about 43 or 63 or 80, you know, that sounds like you might as well be 150. I mean, that's just old. But it's amazing how quickly it goes. And many of you that are my age or near, and, and even some of you that are turning 30 next year are starting to think, 30? This went by quickly. And right now, this part of the service we call the communion, the Lord's Supper. And many of you are probably wondering, okay, well, why are we talking about these two verses? What does this have to do with the communion at all? And hopefully we'll make a correlation here in a minute. This idea of what we're doing right now, this communion, the Lord's Supper, it's a memorial. It's a re remembrance. And we're going to participate in the cup and the bread that represents Jesus' broken body and the blood he shed for us. And Jesus told his disciples, he said, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. He wants us to think about it. And the Apostle Peter, I think, sums it up very well in his first letter, 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, in the first part of verse 18. He says, basically, for Christ died for sins once for all. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. That's really the heart of the gospel. That's what we're remembering right now as we share in this moment and take this, this, this wafer, this bread, and this cup. We're remembering what Jesus did. And just like all of us, we have a physical body. We live in this world, and time goes by quickly. Our life passes. Jesus left heaven and put on flesh. He became a person. He lived on this earth, and the years ticked by pretty quickly. For Jesus, it was about 33 years. But our lives are going by quickly. And the point I want to make is to think about this as we think about what we remember, the communion, to think about a couple of things. First of all, the scripture talks about when we take this communion that we need to examine ourselves, that we're taking it in a worthy manner to think about it. And I think maybe scripture tells us that because when we do something on a regular basis, it becomes routine so easily. You know, we just kind of go through the motions. Uh, and sometimes when I'm doing these little cups that we use here in the building now due to COVID, you know, trying to peel the lid off and not spill the juice on me, we get so distracted. 
But I wanted to bring up those verses because I want us to think about no matter where we are on the scale, how old we are, time is moving by quickly. And I think when we examine ourselves, maybe God wants us to think about those verses because it hopefully has encouraged me to start thinking about what's really important. And I don't know about you, but I am so amazed, or maybe not amazed, maybe more perplexed, at how I get so off track and worry about stuff and get distracted and stuff that's not really that important, chasing things, getting so focused on my ease and my comfort and what I want, things that aren't really that important. In the scheme of things, they don't really matter that much. And I think God gave us these verses about the brevity of our lives, not to discourage us or depress us, but to remind us we're only here in this world for a short time. The years go by quickly and to encourage us to use it wisely and maybe to try to focus on what's really important. Things like Jesus said to love God with all our heart and to love people. That's really what's important. And to really remember and think about this sacrifice that Jesus died for our sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God. And I think one other thing to think about is even though our lives here are brief, and they're going by quickly. High school is a long ways in the rearview mirror. It's going by quickly. But God loves us so much, and that relationship he wants with us, as Peter said, to bring us to him, is not just to have a relationship during the short few years we're on this earth, but the relationship is eternal. It's not going to be a breath. It's not going to be a fleeting shadow. God wants a relationship with us so much that he wants it to be one through eternity. And I encourage myself and you as you think about this communion, there's a lot of things we can think about. There's a lot of things we can remember. And I encourage me, myself, and you to really think about your life and to remember it does go by quickly. And what are we focused on? And to think about what's really important. And hopefully that will encourage us as we take this communion and be reminded that God really does love us and he wants a relationship with us so much that it's going to be an eternal relationship. And I encourage us to think about that as we now share and take the bread and the cup that represents his broken body and his blood. And just ask that you pray with me as we share in the communion. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this day. We just thank you for the opportunity to be here, to come together, to pray together, to sing, to hear a sermon preached, and to share in this communion, Father. Uh, and Father, we just pray that you'll help us. Please help us to focus our minds. Uh, please forgive us for how we get so distracted, not only distracted during this time that we're right now, but distracted in our lives. And, Father, please help us to, to look to you more, to realize how much you really love us, and to be able to really fix our eyes on that more and more. And Father, to realize our life here may be brief in this world, but help that to direct us and motivate us to focus on what's truly important, the fact that you love us, you care for us, and you died for us, so that we would be able to have a relationship with you. And Father, now as we take this bread and this cup, we thank you so much, Jesus, for your sacrifice.
for your willingness to leave heaven and put on flesh and walk among it and do it perfectly and then to lay down your life for us. And Father, we thank you for that. And Father, as always, it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Just a moment, we'll offer a prayer for the contribution that we have an opportunity to give back financially, how God has blessed us to continue the work here. And again, just encourage us to think about how we've been blessed and the opportunity to give back. And God is the ultimate giver, and we have a chance to contribute back to help the work continue here. And as we do that, uh, encourage us to remember some things you've probably heard lots of times from the, the pulpit up here that that God loves a cheerful giver and he wants us to give out of thankfulness and also God reminds us that it's more blessed to give than to receive and encourage us as we think about our offering and our giving to think about how much God gives to us and we have an opportunity a privilege to give back so would you pray with me for, regarding the offering Father, Lord, again, we thank you for this time. We just thank you for uh, all your blessings, everything you give to us. And, Fathers, we have an opportunity to give back, an opportunity to give back with our life and our time and our talents, but also financially. And we just pray, Father, that we can remember that you are uh, the source of all things, that the way we receive our money, our income, the conduit may change, Father, but you, the source, does not. And Father, we just pray that we can do so with thankfulness, with a cheerful heart, and we can truly remember and believe that it truly is more blessed to give than to receive. And Father, we also pray for the leadership here at this place that they will be good stewards of the funds, that the money will be used wisely, things that will uh, be pleasing to you, and also show love and kindness to, uh, to people as well. And we just ask that you would bless them as they go about their the business of distributing these funds. And Father, we thank you again. And Father, as always, we pray these things in the name of Jesus the Christ, your Son. Amen. Thank you, Paul. In the mid-60s, when I was in the sixth grade, we put together a time capsule. 
and, and I don't remember a whole lot about it except that we were all supposed to write down what we thought it was going to be like in the year 2000. Hmm. And I don't remember anything else that I wrote except that I was expecting to have a flying car. <laughs> we were promised flying cars. So <laughs> let's stand together as, as we finish. I know that my Redeemer lives. Reminder for uh, uh, my cantata singers who may be watching online, we have a bass and tenor practice this afternoon at uh, 1230. Look forward to seeing you then. But uh, let's close with uh, this great song. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives and ever prays for me. I know, I know eternal life He gives from sin and sorrow free. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know, I know eternal life He gives. I